0: I think that leaders should look at the times that we're going through right now as an opportunity for them to make courageous decisions about how to organize their business, how to help their business evolve.
1: Hello and welcome back to Explain It, brought to you by SoftCat, the show for IT professionals by IT professionals that aims to simplify the complex and often overcomplicated bits of enterprise IT without compromising on the detail. I'm your host, Zach Abbott, and welcome to episode two of our Remote Working Deep Dive mini-series. Over the next 30-ish minutes, we'll be looking at where most organizations are with their remote working setups today, what can be done to take the basics to the next level, and what this could all look like in the future as remote working or hybrid working remains the norm. Joining me on today's episode is Adam Harding, SoftCat's Chief Technologist for Digital Workspace, Scott Sampson, Senior Sales Vice President for 8x8, and Nick Hederman, Director of the Modern Work and Security Business Group at Microsoft. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you very much for joining me. Scott, Nick, you may not know, but before we get into the core of the show, I'd like to ask a quick question to the guests to try and get to know them a little better. On the last episode, I asked what were some useless talents that people had, but I want to ask you guys what's the one thing you're not good at and wish you could do well? Starting with Adam Harding.
2: Podcasts, which might be, <laughs> which might be useful at this point in time. Uh, I don't know, yeah. Drumming, actually. I can barely even tap in time, but I would love to kick ass as a, as a really good drummer.
0: Uh, Scott one of the things I like to do in my spare time is winemaking I got a 88 rating from uh, Wine Enthusiast Magazine but the downside was that they said that the wine tasted like pencil shavings so (laughs) (laughs) how about you Nick I've been desperately
3: uh, trying to learn the piano for over two years now. I'm failing uh, at every hurdle, <laughs> and it still sounds terrible. I've got so much respect for anyone that can do that. Quite honestly, it's a very hard instrument. But I'm going to keep keep persevering. Maybe one day I'll be able to play Bohemian Rhapsody, and everyone can sing along with me at the piano. But it'll be a long way off.
1: It's good that you're starting really high with quite a technically <laughs> difficult song. <laughs> So I think the first thing we need to establish is what most organizations that you guys have seen, uh, where they're at with the current state of remote working. Does anyone want to jump in on that?
2: I think where people are at is is um, in 2020, the pandemic hit and technology teams and businesses across the globe did some pretty incredible things to achieve business transformation in a, in a, in one sense, in a matter of days that they probably couldn't have dreamt to have achieved in, in a year and a half, two years, if you'd have actually led them to plan it. But what that did mean is the organisations and the shops remained open where they possibly could. People were able to work. But I think most organisations would admit that they had to give a little ground on user experience and they had to give a little ground on their security posture to make sure they could they could keep going. So I think over the latter course of last year people started to look at those those tactical moves they made and start to develop those into strategic plays. I don't think they're all the way there yet. It seems like a, a, there's a big paper-based exercise going on with most organizations to try and figure out how do we or well, what do we look like in the future? Is it entirely remote? Is it entirely office based or whatever is it a mixture of the two the reality is for most people it's a mixture of the two that hybrid working is very much going to be part of the future on the whole and i think that probably where we're at now is it feels like hybrid working we're moving towards hybrid working by design rather than by circumstance but we're doing it in a, in a very strange set of circumstances, we're scrutinizing every penny whilst at the same time trying to make big business change. And we're scrambling to innovate at the same time as trying to reorganize our businesses. So that's what it feels like to me. Uh, people are on the move, but they're, they're only at the start of their, their journey.
3: I, I'd agree with that, Adam. I think what it, what it has done is it's shone a light on many people's organizations. And those that were already on a journey have, have definitely benefited more so than those that were behind the curve. I think it's shone a light on where companies have got a lack of technology uh, and also it's shone a light on where processes need to be reinvented, quite honestly. What I saw with a lot of organisations, especially the ones that were further behind, is that they just simply rushed to try and replicate what they used to do in the office in a virtual environment and that quite honestly isn't good enough as we come out of the remote working experiment and we think about defining these hybrid work environments you've got to be reinventing your processes and your digital transformation strategy to support a hybrid working process going
0: forward that's absolutely critical yeah i i couldn't agree more with both of the things that you said and the 80,000 or so organizations that we were working with before the pandemic yeah, you know, I think they were in very good shape because they proactively went and looked at, you know, how do I increase employee productivity by fostering things like uh, remote work. But when the pandemic hit, what we saw, you know, Nick, to your point, was a, a mad rush to try to maintain productivity amongst their employees. I definitely think that organizations are not going to go back to the way things were. You know, there's been a lot of surveys out there about. You know, is this uh, sort of remote work going to be a permanent thing? And, you know, there are various studies out there, but in general, you know, 70% of business leaders are saying that this idea of remote work is going to be a sort of a strategic operational pillar of their business going forward. And it's, a, it's incredibly important not to just do a lift and shift of how you are working in an in-office world and try and recreate that at the home because it's just not going to drive the same productivity Metrics. And then I would say, secondly, I think IT leaders and business leaders, they're, they're trying to find this balance of, you know, how do I reduce operational costs but not compromising the quality of care, whether that's for customers or employees or what have you. I think that's something that leaders need to think about is, you know, how do you direct the expense line in the right way to make sure that you're driving the right level of productivity and, and also taking care of your customers as, as best you can.
2: Scott raises a really important point. One of the things I've noticed over the last little while that is different to mid-pandemic is you used to read all these blogs and articles and hear all these talks about how employees expect, employees demand, employees want. And it was all about this these freedoms, you know, freedom with a capital F, freedom with a small f, whatever, the work style or devices or applications or whatever it might be. And I always used to think If I I demanded like that, my mother would have a word with me. You know, it was very, it was almost a strange kind of petulance that was out there. But now over probably the last six weeks to two months, you know, I've heard increasingly frequently, it's now the business leaders that are asking for the organization to have a consumer level experience that moves at consumer pace. It's just they want it to have enterprise level confidence wrapped around it. And I think that it might seem ever such a subtle thing to people. But I think the difference between employees demanding this remote hybrid style flexibility, and now the business is doing it because we've all learnt that there's a lot of employers that would have been in an awful lot of trouble if their employees wouldn't have been able to work from the kitchen. If they hadn't been able to use the devices uh, that they had in their bedrooms, if they hadn't been able to work across the broadband connections that, that they usually uh, just use for reserve for, for streaming off Netflix. And I think that's a really interesting point. I think it's a really interesting moment because the language of business leaders is changing. And although we're getting closer to recovering the user experience and the security posture piece, and as we although we're moving away from panic stations to a more well-defined plan for hybrid working I think that business leaders now are left with this bigger concern about protecting and enriching their culture I think that's something, you know, most organizations you, that I speak to, I don't know if you're the same, will always say something along the lines of it's our culture that differentiates us. It's our culture that makes us special. You know, all of us have different technologies, but it's the culture that got us there. And I think protecting and enriching that is more front of mind now that business leaders have just had a moment to stop, to get us a- away from the pandemic rush. So I think their focus is starting to move towards uh, employee well being and knowledge share and learning and this kind of interconnectedness and belonging and all that type of stuff that it's not just about collaboration platforms and things like that it's about how do you as a bigger organization try to reach out to everybody allow them to reach back in and how do you give them some direction on how to communicate how to collaborate how to work together
0: yeah i adam i think that's what you said is really important providing as many channels of communication into whatever your organization sort of collaboration desktop of choice is. But giving lots of ways for employees to communicate, whether it's you know audio, video, discussion groups, persistent chat, et cetera, is really important to keeping people connected. And that connectedness is what is going to help us maintain the culture and, and allow people to do the best that they can do in servicing customers and, and partners and employees. So I, th- I think that's the key is, you know, making sure you're open enough to allow uh, any form of communication.
2: Yeah.
0: Now, I, I, <laughs> I mean, shock horror.
3: Turns out companies can still exist in a remote environment.
1: Taking a quick break from the show, I wanted to just mention the sponsor for today's episode, Samsung. Samsung is a global mobile industry market leader with over a decade of innovation powered by Galaxy. Behind thousands of businesses, you'll find Samsung, built for the new way business gets done. Samsung have a range of dedicated business devices and solutions from enterprise edition phones and tablets with defense grade security built in to their easy to use but hard to break ruggedized devices. They provide innovative solutions tailored to your business. To find out more about how Samsung's business solutions can transform your business, visit softcat.com or get in touch with your Softcat account manager. If that's where most organisations are today, what could be done now to take this to the next level and to really enhance the remote working
2: experience? One thing I have noticed is there's almost this virtual presenteeism where people who never used to have an opinion or need to be involved with anything because they're not really able to uniquely add value, they seem to have appeared in these virtual... They've got an opinion on everything now. And I wonder if there is this kind of weird other you know, alter ego uh, that appears in the digital platforms because now you can just like and review and comment anything.
3: It's an interesting point because I think what what technology does is provide a great levelling force. If you if you are introverted by nature and you struggle sometimes speaking up in often like say let's say a big a big team meeting actually technology is a great leveler it allows everyone to have a voice and some people don't like commenting in the moment that's why this whole concept of asynchronous you are know, taking time to think about my response and writing it at a later date I think my argument would be is actually Is it actually just helping those that might not have previously had something to say
0: to have something to say? And is that not a good thing? That is a good thing. That is a good thing. You know, I think organizations are using more and more digital technology to manage the business than they were even a year ago, which is kind of mind-blowing, right? Because, you know, technology has been so pervasive. But because people are remote and because people are working harder, and people have to do things asynchronously because they can't be two places in once, whether it's two meetings at once or a soccer game or whatever, or the grocery store, and to be in a meeting at once. There's more and more that's being captured digitally. And because there's more being captured digitally, there's more data that's available to people. And with that data being captured digitally and people can review it offline, I think there is more participation and communication around it rather than having to be in the meeting where certain things were said, having access to the minutes where certain things were said and being able to comment on it later, it's incredibly important. And I'm sure you guys have seen this too, right? But there's just more and more digitization of communication that's happening. And it does create more of an opportunity for people to work
2: asynchronously, but also to, to collaborate. Today, actually, this morning, I did a whiteboard session. So this whiteboard session, it's a SWOT analysis of something and, um, There's probably about 10, 15 people. They couldn't make it. I was like, it's fine. I'm going to launch this whiteboard. Those who can make it will go through it. I've recorded how you go through the steps. And then over the course of actually all of today and then a little bit of tomorrow, by the time I get back to it, everybody will have gone through, had their own moment on the wall, made their own comments, voted for their own things that they want to see prioritised. And weirdly, by the time I get back to it, it'll be different to how I left it. But the whole thing's growing organically while I'm recording a podcast with you guys. And I was just like, in a simple way, that's blown my mind because I used to actually have to be in the room that the whiteboard was nailed to the wall of and the sticky notes were only in the hands of the people that had the sticky notes. You know, How cool space is that? and time yes, yeah, so cool. Space and time are being are being bent here. By the time we get back to it, this SWOT analysis that we've all done together, where none of us have actually I'm not even talking about simultaneously being apart. We're physically just not even connected. It's gonna, it's gonna, you know, surface. And I think it's a phenomenal. But it is a mindset change. And I think it does take people like us who are champions in our organization to do this stuff in front of people, and then they'll go, oh, that's cool, I wanna give a go at that. Then they do it in front of their people. And gradually these things, uh, these, these practices replicate.
3: And, and not only have you included people in an end-to-end process, but for some people, they will prefer reacting in the moment, You know, what comes into the head straight away is what they'll typically wanna stick on that whiteboard. There'll be some people that would just wanna take it away, take your question away, whatever it was you were working on, sit on it over lunch, think through maybe a couple of different outcomes, decide the one they like the most, and then put that on later. And that's great, because you're allowing different working styles and working practices to come to life, and the outcome will be richer as a consequence.
1: So Nick, if we're looking at what people can do now to enhance their remote working experience, why don't you tell us a bit more about your team and, and what you're doing to sort of help people achieve that?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've, we've, we've thought long and hard actually about how do we become a world-class remote working team as the modern work team we should be. We should be testing, piloting, trialing, learning, failing, and also sharing our our lessons. And so the concept of this sort of asynchronous to synchronous paradigm or, or continuum is really important. So when we think about the way we work, we think about what things do we want to do in a synchronous fashion and then what things do we want to do asynchronously. And so maybe I'll start from sort of the synchronous end. We have team check-ins, we have a Monday morning meeting, which I'm sure like many uh, do, you know, that sort of concept of a weekly team meeting. And at the end of a week, we have our, what we call the tavern. No talk about work. It's purely a time for us to come together just to relax, to to joke. We often play some of the you know, online quizzes or uh, there's this, a game called Scribble where you do like online, online pictionary. That's quite popular at the moment. Um, so that's kind of our sort of like our weekly uh, meeting rhythm. We are also uh, encouraging each other to um, get out and about and do walking meetings so that you can combine a little bit of exercise, a change of scenery with, you know, work. And, and, and often some meetings are perfect for voice only. You know, one on one is actually done quite well as a voice only meeting. You don't have to have a camera on. And so being being clear to each other about when it would be OK not to have camera and when would it be okay that you could be out and about? Um, it's just a little signal we try to sort of um, share with each other. The next thing we've introduced was an idea we stole from Sweden. Uh, in, in the Swedish culture, they have this concept called fika, uh, which is this uh, idea that you, you get together with one of your colleagues, typically over a coffee or a, uh, a bit of cake, often homemade cake is, is quite heavily involved, and, and you just spend time with them. You, you, you talk to them about how they're feeling What are they working on? What's going on in their personal life? And being that that sort of support post um, uh, for for looking after each other, thinking about each other's well-being. And so although we can't do that in person, we have a a schedule that allows us all to meet each other. Moving more towards the sort of asynchronous side, this idea of working out loud. You know, we post everything in Teams. We share it in Teams. We we mention people when we want them to be involved. And then being really critical about our channel hygiene. We are very disciplined about that. We actually... Did a big clear out about sort of three or four months ago. We had about 30 channels in our Teams channels, and it was it was it was overbearing. So we we got it down to our core seven channels, and then we're really disciplined about when do we out mention people, when do we open post, how do we bring people into projects, and and sort of support that asynchronous working working style.
2: And um, Scott, so eight by eight obviously integrates with that Teams world. What was the decision? What was the conversation like within eight by eight to to make that happen? Why did you do it? Where is it resonating really, I suppose? I mean, the, first of all, there's a lot to unpack on the things that
0: you said earlier. You know, we spent a lot of the conversation today talking about productivity and things like that. But, you know, remember there's, there's a front office to an organization and there's a back office to an organization, right? And the applications and data sources that front office workers need might be very different than the ones that back office workers need. And Teams is a type of technology, right, to Nick's point, that can provide sort of a unification layer across those things, right? Whether we're talking about a certified contact center for Teams like 8x8 or an app or micro app in the background that integrates the Teams. So it's, you know, you have to remember these, you know, front office and back office, they have different needs. So what I would say about Teams is, you know, we made our decision two years ago to provide a deep functional integration to Microsoft Teams because we saw the demand in the market that IT leaders wanted to have an enterprise desktop and standardize on that to try and shrink the number of applications and environments that people needed to work in and that they wanted to support. We started our journey around Microsoft Teams two years ago and since launching that integration, it's the fastest growing product that we've had in the history of our company. Going back to that aspect of front office and back office, right? and no disrespect to any of us on this call, but there's lots of applications that people use that aren't created from Microsoft or 8x8, Salesforce and Workday and those types of things. And it's really important that we're providing an environment where those workers can get easy access to the data and applications that they need, right? So in a front office environment, having a contact center that's integrated to Microsoft Teams, if that's the unification layer, and the ability to surface data very, very quickly from your underlying CRM system, whether it's SFTC or Dynamics or what have you. So that idea of like screen popping to a contextual conversation that happened in the past with a customer, so you can have a more meaningful conversation every time they call, right? Those types of things are incredibly important, right? And I think teams can be, you know, that unification layer. I think we've all seen a dramatic uh, adoption of teams in the market. We're a huge supporter of that, being a Microsoft partner. And, but I just think that maintaining that heterogeneity is super important because there's never going to be a single place where everybody works and every piece of data is. And we need to make sure we're providing technology that allows you to bring in the things that are required for people to do their job.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's our job as technologists to help bring together these moments of convergence, I suppose, for people as they need them and to make them contextual and conditional i suppose because even we as individuals aren't in the same circumstance at all points in time sometimes i need to it's the phone in my pocket i'm dealing with sometimes it's three screens on my laptop in my shed sometimes it's uh, somebody else's device and i need to get access to something i think that understanding the context and making sure that we give people enough consistency but given the service they require so that they're never left high and dry that's that's our role and that's where where we need to go to the power platform thing this isn't really meant to be a microsoft only show but i'll, I'll go with this bit because i'm interested the low code no code piece and the citizen developer piece i think is really interesting i was doing a, a show for for education last week or the week before and they were talking to me about you know what technology is soon going to come within their reach of what they can afford that was previously outside their reach because the education estates don't have a huge amount of money to throw at technology. And my answer to them was, well, there were two answers, actually. One of them was AR and about creating richer learning environments and, and things like that. But the other one was you really need to look at Microsoft's Power Platform. Microsoft Power Platform is, is like the be, one of the best kept secrets, I think, for Microsoft at the moment, because it's just appeared within the licensing agreements that most people have and it's incredibly powerful at a moment in time where we have to support incredible change with very little resource, whether that be skill, whether that be money, whether whatever. The bang for the buck is unbelievable. What I would say, caveat with that, is that I think with the Microsoft Power Platform, there's probably a moment in time, which is possibly now before you get too deep into it, to put some guardrails in place, to build out some kind of application factory that means people have enough rope to swing about, make some great things, but not enough rope to hang themselves or to do anything they shouldn't. And Nick, would you like to expand on that?
3: <laughs> well, I studied computer science, or part computer science, part business for my degree. But my coding skills are long, long behind me. I, I was amazed how easy I found to, to build a, a power app. You know, I've actually built quite a few now. I've typically bought, built them for my own workflow. Um, so I'm you know, connecting, for example, something like Teams, outlook together or the planner app you know if I'm, if I'm holding people to account using the planner app for for actions and how do i connect that into say like a OneNote environment or into a team's environment so there's it's amazing what you can do if you just spend a little bit of time and apply a bit of logic that's all you really need because the 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 coding element is very simple uh, there's a little bit of like computer science logic in the way in which you think about like the the ifs and the thens and all those sorts of statements but it it doesn't take much to to start going at it and we see that in our customers we see people that pick it up they play around with it they run with it and all of a sudden they've gone from being you know one of the case studies i love was autoglass uh, was one of our early adopters of power platform and there was a guy that was originally fitting windscreens. he saw all these paper processes around him so he decided to build a bunch of apps for it, and now he works in the IT department building more apps and using power platform as a, as a way to do that so that 's just a wonderful story and As you think about the future of, of work and how technology is going to be so critical to everything we do and giving people an opportunity to reinvent their careers uh, in a, a sort of a no code low code type of way, I think it 's a, it's a really fascinating area as for sort of safeguards and, and, and rules you know i think that 's where that 's where the role of, of IT comes in you know that 's the IT admin the IT team. Policy and principle is important there. And like many platforms, there's ways you can, you can limit, there's ways you can customize, there's ways that you can set things up. And so just like privacy, just like employee well-being, they all have to be centered and grounded in some sort of principle. And so when it comes to individuals building applications within their own organization, I think that's where IT have to have a very strong point of view about how that works and what it looks like.
2: I, just, I was just thinking about what we've, we've mentioned, people reinventing their workflows and all this stuff a couple of times throughout this podcast. And it's easy, it's a throwaway statement for us. It's easy for us to say, and possibly we've helped people do it quite frequently. But when you when you sit down with a clean sheet of paper and go, right, how do I reinvent our organization? It seems a very daunting task. But what I've found is, works really well is, in my experience, business change actually starts with individual change. And actually sitting down with people and going through how we could possibly use some of this low-code, no-code stuff to automate just moments of their day, moments of their task, maybe string two or three of those things together, really gets the creative juices flowing on, actually, why do I do it that way? Why is there this much replication, duplication? Why is there a wait time? Why does everything stop if Maureen goes on holiday uh, on a Friday? And I think that actually possibly sitting down and considering what is the potential of a technology such as the Power Platform what is the te- the potential of pulling together your universe into something like a teamwork hub? And how do we sit down and actually write out what the workflow really looks like is a great way to start just entering that world of reinventing yourselves and disrupting yourself before somebody else comes along and disrupts you.
1: Nice. Okay, Is is data and analytics an effective way of tracking remote productivity?
2: My perspective is it's part of it. The issue I have with data is if you torture it for long enough, it'll tell you anything. It's really about making sure that you understand what you're measuring and what you're looking for. And it's about your intent. You know, I think that there's plenty of value in comparing why is one person or one team or one division doing so much better in a certain thing than another and then using it as a learning aid. I think there's a lot of val- validity in that, but doing just quantitative stuff without the qualitative wraparound is like reading a company's accounts without reading the chairman's statement. You need both sides of the story.
0: Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I think that there's a real, you know, just back on the theme of opportunity, right? I think there's technology in the data that backs up that technology or is, is created by that technology that creates an opportunity for organizations to be more efficient, Right in the way that they service customers, the way they engage with employees, etc., and what I would say is, organizations and leaders should look at the ways that that data is being created or could be created to drive more efficiency within the organization. But you now it's all you know. There's a, a fine line, right? You don't want to um, have too much uh, oversight and overstep boundaries. So you know, I think you want to use these systems and data in an efficient way for. Uh, for driving productivity and the increased value in the organization? I'd say if you want to change something, you have to measure
3: it. And old habits die hard. But small changes can make a big difference. And so, you know, actually, we did some research recently. We found that when people are storing stuff, their content, their projects in the cloud, instead of sending it around as an email attachment, they can save up to 100 minutes per week. And so that's a wonderful insight, right? If you encourage people to make some change in the way that they work there's going to be some productivity gains as a consequence. But I think what's critical is that you also have to respect employee privacy. It's a human right. That's our belief at Microsoft. I hope every, every company has that belief as well. And that's why we're deeply committed to privacy in our products. That's why when it comes to measuring people, you as a self should have access to your own productivity scores and numbers etc because that's fine but when it comes to managers when it comes to organizational levels it has to be anonymized it has to be about trends that you're seeing and then leaders can take action against the trends as opposed to the individuals.
1: Something you guys have mentioned a few times is sort of what's to come and the future and these things that have phrases that have been strung around so taking a look at what is to come then what what are we likely to see in the world of remote or hybrid working? Will there be a, like a new one-stop shop platform that does it all? Or what do you guys think?
0: I don't think there's necessarily gonna ever be you know, one singular repository, one singular application, one singular provider that provides everything. But I do think that what the pandemic has done is forced business leaders to rapidly increase the pace of modernization. I think that there's well less than 40% of organizations out there that would consider their their infrastructure modern and economically viable. So I think even before the pandemic we saw organizations trying to modernize their communication systems to be more competitive and productive, right? So I you know, the pandemic has just accelerated that dramatically. I think that you're going to continue to see that modernization and people prioritize the spend around the way their people communicate with customers and within their own four walls. And I I think you're also going to see, you know, more and more self-service, you know, when you look at things from a a front office perspective, right? North of 80% of the business leaders that are out there, you know, uh, according to Gartner Group, half of the organizations out there believe that they're adequately promoting self-service, things like bots and and whatnot that will reduce cost and provide a better self-service. And I, you know, I think you're going to see that double over the next five years, where there's more and more self-service to try and drive more uh, economics into the organization. So productivity is great, but business leaders are going to continue to try and drive down cost and do that in a self-service manner with their customers as much as possible.
3: I think. I think at the principle level, we believe in human-centric work and there has to be a partnership between human and machine. You know, that sort of technology should be helping to connect us. It should, machine learning should be taking care of sort of more repetitive or routine tasks, freeing up humans' minds to be more impactful. Technology should be able to sort of securely store vast quantities of information and and help to sort of construct and and to build ways to mine those large data sets and creating new sorts of representations. And, you know, yes, there are some exciting things we're working on right now. You know, I think about, like, robotic telepresence and, and mixed reality. You know, those are really exciting areas, very visual areas. But quite honestly, whilst there are some bright, shiny objects in the future, there are so many basics that we've got to get right over the next five years. Like, how do we make sure that we don't move back to a world of presenteeism and that we are measuring impact and outcomes? How do we encourage that more open way of working? You know, how do we get employers to think about employees as their most critical asset, that they're investing in them, their well-being, that they're thinking about the right packages to support them, allowing them to work from home some days a week, setting up their home offices with the right equipment, creating offices space that helps to be creative and collaborative and a really inspiring place to be as opposed to just a bunch of desks and, and monitors. And ultimately, how does that environment feel? both diverse and inclusive. I think those are things that are probably way more important than the bright, bright, shiny objects.
1: Because we're coming towards the end of the episode as such. What's the key message that you want people to take away in terms of this remote working journey we're on and where it's going?
2: I think I'd like to make sure that people understand that we are moving from that hybrid workforce by circumstance to hybrid by design, and it's for the long term. It's not a journey. We're not going to get there. We're going to constantly have to evolve and improve and evolve and improve and listen and evolve and improve. Nick, Scott?
3: Yeah, I I agree with Adam, actually, that you need a hybrid work strategy. You can't just stumble out of a remote work environment and that needs to consider your people. It needs to consider all those processes. We spent a lot of time talking about, you know, reimagining workflows and processes today. It's such a critical topic. It needs to reimagine the workplace. Like, no longer is it a row of desks. It's a place where you choose to come to get that connection with your your peers and with your customers and, and create and collaborate. So a workplace that supports that is absolutely critical. And I think we've touched on this so many times today already, but leadership... So important. <laughs> like if there's one thing that people can do is is be leading from wherever you are in the organization, but especially from the top and focusing in to make sure the culture is inclusive and supportive of that new strategy. And of course, technology will always play a role. You know, we're talking about technology or a bunch of technologies on this call today. There's lots of cool stuff out there. Everyone will have a preference for what they
0: want to use. But of course, technology is an enabler in all of this. And I, I guess I would add, just you know, riffing off of what Nick said, I, I do think it starts with leadership. And going back to what I said earlier, I think that leaders should look at the times that we're going through right now as an opportunity, right, and not uh, necessarily a burden. And it's a, it's an opportunity for them to make courageous decisions about how to organize their business, how to help their business evolve, right through this you know combination of leadership and process improvement and technology adoption, because there are technologies that are out there, things like Microsoft Teams, that will help you evolve the organization. It's got to be this intersection of leadership, courageousness, process improvement, and technology adoption, while not, not losing sight of the most important thing, which is the people, right? It's the people. And all those things come together to help organizations differentiate. And if we can, if we can do all that and, and take care of our people and help them evolve in this hybrid work environment, then I think that's, that would be quite an accomplishment.
1: And that is it for today's episode. Nick, Scott, Adam, thank you so much for joining me today. Make sure to join us for the next episode where we'll be talking to our guests about the final piece of the remote working puzzle. And that is something that has been mentioned a few times over the past two episodes. How do you migrate your company culture to a remote environment? If you want to know more about anything that was covered in this episode, or want to get in contact with us, feel free to email us at podcast@softcat.com. Also, make sure you click subscribe wherever you get your podcast, and we really appreciate you giving us a review or a comment on whatever podcast platform you use. We would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening to Explain It from Softcat.